0: You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Liberty Hardy, and I'm a little in the middle, but I've got much backlist. This is episode 88, and today I'm going to talk about a few great titles related to the week's new releases and more. So hello! Uh, Happy Friday! If it is indeed a Friday when you're listening to this. It might not be, but uh, you've got a one in seven chance of being correct. Uh, I have some great books to tell you about today, but before I do that, I want to tell you about the show's sponsor. This episode of All the Backlist is sponsored by Libro.fm Audiobooks. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be a part of a much different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you're already an audiobook lover and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. Listeners of all the backlists can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's libr ofm and enter the code BR3. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. So, I decided to talk about books that I love today. I mean, I talk about books that I love every week, but as you know, I recently did a big cull of my stacks, and I got rid of most of the books that I had read, which was hard. Um, But I just realized, like, I'm not going to read many of them again. Like, I love having a library. I love having it be, like, as big as it possibly can, but it's just not sustainable in my house. Um, and I realized, like, if this makes sense, that some of the books that I think I'm going to read again someday, the fact that I have a copy of them sitting around in my house makes it less likely that I'm going to pick it up, because it, I just know that it's always there, so I don't have to make the effort. So I just kind of, like, put it off. So I got rid of most of the books I had read. Um, I have kept a few favorites, and I thought I would talk about some of them today. A couple I think I've mentioned before on the show, and a couple that I'm can't believe I haven't mentioned on the show before, so maybe I haven't, I just don't remember. But I'm going to start it off with my very favorite work of post-apocalyptic fiction. It is A Canticle for Leibowitz" by Walter M. Miller Jr. This was uh, published in 1959. I think it was first serialized in a magazine, but uh, it was published in 1959, won the 1961 Hugo Award. And like I said, this is possibly my favorite science fiction book of all time. Uh, It's set in the future. There's been a terrible nuclear war and a lot of the world is wiped out. The book is told in three sections. Um, it's sort of set around this, de- this desert in uh, southwestern United States. And there's been something called the simplification, uh, because people blame the nuclear war and what has happened on people who are educated and smart and technology and scientists. So mobs of people have killed people who are, are smart, scientists, anyone who can read, basically. Um, it's just become like learning and and information is bad. And so books are destroyed. Uh, there's hardly anyone left on the planet who knows how to read. Um, and so Leibowitz was this guy who worked at a military base. And he had a fallout shelter and he hid books and he learned information. And later on, his fallout shelter was discovered by the by this group of monks, sort of, or become this religion. They call it the Order of Leibowitz, and there's an abbey out there in the desert, and they are hoarding this information and keeping it a secret and waiting for the time until the world is ready for knowledge again. It's a really interesting concept, and it's just so fantastic. And the first time I read it, I didn't realize that it was going to be told in three sections. So when I got to the end of the first section, something happened that just made me go, Oh my god goodness. Like, I just couldn't believe that he had done that. Um, and it was just amazing. I loved that feeling. But like the first section is set in the 26th century. Then the second one is in the year 3174 and the third is in the year 3781. It's just amazing, especially considering that it was written in the fifties. Like the, the ideas behind this are just incredible. There was a sequel that he wrote that was published, I think, after he died. Um, but I did not read that. Sometimes I don't like to read sequels to books that I really love, especially when there's a very long stretch of time between them. So this one's just amazing. It's A Canticle for Leibowitz, and it's by Walter M. Miller Jr. My next pick is The Bonesetter's Daughter by Amy Tan, which I don't think I've talked about on the show, which surprises me because I love this book. Um, and, And It's one in which I read, it's a novel, but I also learned real history about the world. Um, Because basically, like, if it didn't pertain to the United States, we weren't taught it in school when I was growing up. Uh, So this is about a woman named Ruth Young and her mother, Lu Ling. They live in San Francisco. They have kind of a hard relationship. There's a lot of problems between them. But her mother is elderly, and she is losing her memory. And so she gives Ruth these papers uh, that she had written growing up and about her life. And Ruth learns all these things about her mother that she did not know. Starting with Lu Ling's life in China, she was raised by her aunt. There was a curse placed on their family, um, and she was engaged to a, a coffin maker. She didn't know all these things. What I didn't realize is that the Japanese invaded China in the 1930s and 40s. They actually occupied parts of it, and I had never heard that before. Like I was thinking, like you know, Japan is so small and China is so big. I had no idea that that, that had happened. And this is what happens in the book. Um, and it, they come into Luling's village, and she has to make some difficult choices. Uh, and that's, she talks about that and like how she ended up in San Francisco. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful, heartbreaking book about the sacrifices that parents make for their children, about that unknowable part of your parent that, you know, you don't realize, you know, their secrets or, you know, the, why they did the things they did or, you know, why things are how they are between you. Um, it's just, it's so, so good. So that is The Bone Setter's Daughter by Amy Tan. And while we're on the subject of, like, really depressing, sad things, I'll just roll into my next pick, which is a memoir. Um, I am going to discuss some very difficult things in this, so a heads up for that. It's Shot in the Heart by Michael Gilmore. Um, I think I've talked about this book before, but if I have not, Michael Gilmore is the much, much younger brother of Gary Gilmore, who was one of the most famous murderers in the country in the 1970s. Uh, The book The Executioner's Song by Norman Mailer is written about him. It's like a fictionalized version of what happened. Although if you read it, you just can't believe that Norman Mailer wasn't there to see everything that happened. Um, and Gary Gilmore, he he killed some people. He was sentenced to death. And he campaigned to be killed by firing squad because that was still an option in Utah. So Michael talks about their family. Um, he talks about the poverty that they grew up in, um, how alcoholism was very prevalent in their family, uh, how his father used to beat Gary a lot, and some of the other children Um, and so he doesn't make excuses for, for what Gary did. Like he, he's not like, you know, this, you know, but this is what he grew up in. You know, he just relays events of what it was like, you know, to, to grow up in their house. And he also talks about, you know, what it's like to be the brother of a killer, like of someone so famous. Um, you know, murderers get all the attention all the time, you know, books are written about them and, and hardly ever about their victims. Um, and we hardly ever hear from the family members of, of murder victims or of killers really. So It's just a really fascinating read. Michael Gilmore worked for Rolling Stone for a really long time. You've probably read an article by him before, um, but this memoir is just so fascinating. Again, it's called Shot in the Heart, and it's by Michael Gilmore. And I just cannot believe, I really find it hard to believe that I have not talked about this book on the show, because it's probably my favorite book, definitely in the top three. It's The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin. Have we talked about this? I love this book. And I'm always surprised when people don't know this book. It won the 1979 Newbery Award, won a bunch of other things. It's so much fun. Basically, Ellen Raskin invented reality television with this book. Um, It's about a group of people, including a young woman named Turtle Wexler, who is so rad. Uh, She and 15 other people, um, all strangers to each other. Well, not like all strangers, like families, they're approached to purchase these like super amazing apartments in this building, and they're super cheap, and they don't know why, but it turns out that the apartment building is owned by Samuel Westing, and he's made them all heirs to his fortune if they can solve the puzzle that is in his will. Uh, He he gathers them together. Well, not he. He's dead. That would be hard, Um, but his lawyer gathers them together and says, you know, he has 200 million dollars, and he's going to give it to the first pair of people who can figure out the puzzle of the will, and so now it's not like, turtle like is there with her parents and her sister it's not like she gets to pair off with who she chooses they're assigned like random pairs among the strangers and so they have to decide like who is the murderer if he because he's possibly been murdered and they have to figure out the puzzle so it and while this is going on it sort of like changes their lives you know like this situation it's so so good and like i said she basically that's like a reality show you know like here you go. You all live in this building and solve this puzzle. Like It's, it's a reality show. It's amazing. Um, so she was rad. This book is rad. Uh, I would love to get a Turtle Wexler tattoo someday. I still haven't done that, but it's so good. Anyway, it's The Westing Game, and it's by Ellen Raskin. And last but not least, I don't know that I've talked about this one, and this is definitely one that made the cut. It is Bear v. Shark by Chris Batchelder. Uh, I just, I love this book. It's about a Las Vegas event in which a bear is going to fight a shark. And now, how is that going to happen, you ask? Well, the water in this tank is just deep enough that the shark can survive, but not too deep that the bear can't stand on his own and wrestle the shark. And there was a computer matchup, but they couldn't really determine uh, who would actually win in a fight, a bear or a shark, so now they're going to hold this actual event in which a bear is wrestling a shark. So this is like the event of the century. Uh, Like The whole country is talking about this. Everybody wants to go. It's sold out. So they have a contest with the school students to write an essay about why they should go to this event. And this little boy named Curtis Norman wins four tickets for himself and his family. So they take this road trip and they go across the country and along the way they meet this wide array of characters who have varying opinions about who would win, you know, a bear or a shark. And they get to get a really good glimpse of the country and also spend some time together, which is not something that they do often. Their dad feels like he doesn't really know his family at all. And it's just, it's also super, super funny. It's a really razor-sharp satire of America and media. It's just over the top. It's fantastic. He also wrote The Throwback, which was nominated for the National Book Award a couple of years ago, uh, and Abbott Awaits, which is another of my favorite books. I just love this one. So it's Bear v. Shark by Chris Batchelder. And for dealer's choice today, I thought I would just mention what I'm reading, because I'm about to take a few days off to catch up on some reading I've been spending too much time looking at the internet, I think, so I gotta sit down and read some books. So, first, I'm picking up Queenie, which I have slowly been making my way through. It comes out next week, I think, which is about a young woman, a Jamaican British woman living in London named Queenie Jenkins. Um, she's gone through a bad breakup and she's trying to decide, like, why she makes such horrible choices in men and in her life. And it's really good, but I've just started it, so I'm really excited to finish it. And then I'm going to reread Miracle Creek by Angie Kim. Because I was so excited to read this. It was originally called Miracle Submarine, um, which I think I mentioned last year that I was excited to read. So I think I read it too far away. Like, too far away. I read, it was across the street and I couldn't see it. No, um, I, I read it so long ago that like I need to read it again to refresh my memory. So um, it's really fantastic. It's about a couple that make this device called the Miracle Submarine. But then there's an explosion. People are killed and then there's like this really dramatic courtroom trial. It's so, so fantastic. You're gonna be hearing about this one all the time soon. This one comes out on April 16th. And again, that is Miracle Creek by Angie Kim. And the first one was Queenie by Candace Cardi williams And that is it for me today. This This has just been, like, lots of fun. I just love talking about books. Um, So, a reminder, again, that you can go to libro.fm and enter BR3 to get three months of audiobooks for the price of one. You can find a list of the books I mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash books. And if you're a fan of all the books and you want to give us a treat, you can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other book lovers to find us. If you want to talk about books or see pictures of my books or my cats, you can catch me on Twitter at Miss Liberty, on Listie Under Liberty, and on Instagram at friendsandcomesalive. I'll be back on Tuesday with Maria Christina to tell you about the week's great new releases. So have a great weekend, kittens, and happy reading.